to Talkie Talk, the podcast from MediaBias.com. Joining me today is <laughs> Rusko. <laughs> I get to stay in. That was fun. Uh, TJ. <laughs> yep. And uh, Brent. Hi. Uh, I'm Chris, uh, your lovely host for this intro, and then no longer hosting anything. <laughs> um yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about our watch list. We're going to uh, get into the news. Bit of a busy week for news. And then uh, spring break is over. We are going to have homework again. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. Does someone want to kick off watch lists? Sure. I watched one movie on a bunch of a TV show that I won't really talk about, even though it's my favorite TV show of all time. But uh, I watched Despicable Me 3. 2017 movie, the fourth in that franchise, I guess, technically. Yeah. All uh, right, Minions. And it is it is the worst <laughs> out of those four. You've, uh, you've seen them all? Yes. Yeah. The first one's good. I really like Minions. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, two was fine, and this, this one was... The villain was really bad. It's called Bad Brad. It was mm. by Trey Parker. And uh, it's that 80s child star... His show got canceled because he got acne. And now he is trying to make the character from his TV show his real life persona. The TV show he was like a like a villain you root like a kid villain you kinda root for. Yeah. It so, sounds kind of like a bad version of Syndrome from the from uh, the Incredibles. It was very similar. But it was like he would always there was always like shitty eighties music and like him dancing and like every eighties trope. Like he still listened to cassettes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just real bad. Jokes were not funny. The main plot of the movie is Groot finds his twin brother. Gru. Right. Gru okay. finds his twin brother, Drew. Okay. Who's just like Gru, but dumb and has hair. But he finds out that his dad was like an iconic supervillain back in the in the 60s. And his dumb brother wants him to teach him how to be a villain. But Gru's given up the villain life. Hmm. It's just boring. Really boring for an eighty-minute movie. Let's say that's the thing that like those kids, like even like a dumb kids movie, can't be. It's boring. Yeah, the minions were like they got minions got mad at Gru in the beginning and left because he wouldn't turn back to villainry. Mm. So they took out the minions, who I still think are kind of hilarious, even though they're dumb. Does this movie explain why middle-aged women are obsessed with minions? No. <laughs> I would love to hear that and why just randomly when I'm on Facebook and it's in Messenger, you know how to like GIF suggestions? It'll like 50% of the time it's a minion related <laughs> GIF, which means it's being sent a lot that day. Right. <laughs> About 40 somethings on Facebook. Yeah. I did find my way to the Minions Wikipedia page, which is a, a hoot because you get to uh, look at all their past masters. Their goal, their goal in life is to always find the worst thing on Earth and serve that thing. Oh. Um, so. I did not know that. The oldest known one is a uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex, which they were around when it was uh, blown up, I guess, <laughs> by an asteroid. Uh, but like Vlad the Impaler, maybe it worked for him. This is like the first 20 minutes of the movie Minions in the bottom, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, they work for, uh, they help build the pyramids. Work for a fair bit. Yeah. It's, That's it's, funny. It's cute. 
But yeah, I don't watch this one. <laughs> Although they're making another one because this one made made a fucking bunch of money. Yeah. Um, man, I'm just looking at the Minions though. Seventy four million dollar movie for Minions, uh, and it's worldwide box office is over a billion. Wow. One point one five billion. Seems, seems, Insane. Seems to be happening these days. Yeah. <laughs> so they're definitely going to keep making those. But what else really, did you watch? <laughs> I've started my third watch of West Wing for some fucking reason. I'm not real sure why. I don't remember starting, but I'm near the end of season two now. It's just, it's in my opinion, the best show of all time. Nice. Yeah, it's my favorite. I love it. Love the characters. All of them. Um, some really good episodes early on. Charlie's first episode, which I think is, is it episode one? Or yeah, it's episode it's one. Episode one. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, but everybody in that is amazing. Allison Janney, Bradley Whitford. I mean, I could talk about Wesleyan forever, and I probably already have on this podcast. So. <laughs> but y'all have seen all of it, right? I haven't seen the last season. <clears throat> I recommend the last season is for somebody who like, is into politics yeah. and the law like you are. It's it, Every other episode, like one was about the Bartlett administration, which at that point, C.J., is the chief of staff for? Yeah, and uh, Toby's still there, and uh, Josh Molina is taking over for CMC mm-hmm. Bourne. and Allison Chenoweth comes in. I think is the uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth. She plays the like cute little blonde woman from yeah, Mike she's, Earl. She takes over CJ's job, doesn't she? <clears throat> Josh Molina doubles. He's uh, the press secretary and the like assistant communications director. Mm-hmm. with is the assistant chief of staff to CJ. Okay. Um, but it's, it's really good. And then the other episodes are Josh running the Santos campaign. Right. Those are really good. One of the best episodes, like it's in top five on every list, is uh, they do a live debate in season seven. You remember that episode? Where it's just a debate and it looks, it's filmed like you would watch a debate on TV. Mm-hmm. There's no cutaways or anything between the two candidates there. It was really good. Cool. Yep. Who else? <clears throat> I'll do mine since I'm quick also. Uh, I watched a season of a television show. Finished it up today. I watched uh, season two of Netflix's uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. You were high on the first season. I, I mean, was. Relatively high. Yeah, I really like it. The The kids in it are really good. It's super formulaic, but it's 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 fun. Um it's Neil Patrick Harris as uh, Count Olaf trying to disinherit the uh, young Baudelaire's of their fortune. Um, it, it looks like, and it could be, but I don't know, uh, but the like DP or creator of like Pushing Daisies or Dead Like Me, it's just that like hyper-saturated color against really gray and beige backgrounds. Yeah. Um, the, the style is just really good. I really love Pushing Daisies. It was so sad when I got... Did you ever watch that? No. Know the premise of it or anything? Yes. It was really... Did you watch it? Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. It's like... Chris and Chenoweth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like super sweet and twee and just lovable. Yeah. It was great. Um, it felt like, you know, a, a real life Coraline. Uh, just in how <clears throat> focused on death it is. And let me think it's no, no like, different... It's it's because it's all about Count Olaf, either trying to marry Violet Baudelaire or 
kill them both and install himself as their sole guardian. Um, but this, it's the same formula as the first season where like each, uh, every pair of episodes is um, based on one of the books because there's like fucking 20 of them. Um, but based on one set of books, one book, and it's whoever uh, the bank has put the kids with then. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a distant uncle or a distant family friend. Um, and all the while, there's this overarching story about like this secretive spy organization that their parents were a part of, that Lemony Snicket was also a part of as the narrator. Patrick Warburton plays him. Um, but... Yeah, Nathan Fillion plays Lemony Snicket's brother. The cast is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Toby Hale is one of the uh, Guardians. Um, uh, What's his name? Who's Toby Hale? He's Buster from Arrested Development. Veep. Oh, yeah, no, his... Yeah, I know you're talking about... His name's... Tony? Tony Hale? Tony Hale? Could be Tony Hale. Tony Hale? Okay, yeah, yeah. I said Toby. Uh, it's Tony. Um, yeah, he's really good. I should never be insistent on someone's name being Toby. <laughs> <laughs> True. Good rule moving forward in life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Asif Manvi plays one of them. He's, you know, Daily Show, I think, like, Middle East correspondent. Uh, but it's just a really good, like, cast of, like, almost entirely just comedians. Yeah. Um, I think Kobe Smulders is in it as she's like the 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 mom, so she appears in like flashbacks. Uh, but it's really good. It's 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 a popcorn show, yeah. Because it's it's as formulaic as it can get. It's always Count Olaf shows up. The adults are too stupid to realize he's in costume because his two telltale signs are he has a unibrow and a tattoo on his ankle. So he you know is wearing big sunglasses and has you know high boots. So it can't be Count Olaf. Count Olaf has a unibrow and a right. tattoo on his ankle. Right. Um, and his, like, you know, cohort of uh, uh, mummers in his little, like, brigade just, like, doing stupid shit. Yeah. And then the second episode is all about, you know, the kids learning a lesson and the bank manager showing up at the last second to realize, oh, my God, it actually is Count Olaf. Well, you can't be here with him. I'm going to take you somewhere safe. I've got someone new who's going to be your guardian. So you have to get get used to that, and they set that up because like Warburton makes fun of the format as the narrator. Um, like the last episode of season two, he says uh, it's all about this carnival and these starving lions in a pit, and for the big carnival attraction, they're going to throw some freaks in there to be devoured by the lions. And at the beginning of the episode, Warburton says, uh, "As much as as much as I don't need to explain what in the belly of the beast is." You're going to hear it three times during this story. Right. And so, like, each time it happens, it pops up a big number. Um, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> but fun, whimsical, you know. It's, I wouldn't call it a kid show. It's it's a little too focused on, you know, the murder of an infant and two, like, ten-year-old children. Yeah. Uh, and focused on, you know, alcoholic, like, guardians and people with, like, neuroses who are, like, you know, constantly fighting off the urge to kill himself, and there's much darker tones than the movie was with Jim Carrey. Right. I think that's kind of how the book was. From yeah, what I've heard. I've never read it, but it's uh, those kids are like 
supposed to be like hyper intelligent too, right? Like all three of them, even. Yeah. Well, it's it's they they have their their traits. It's Violet is an inventor, and her, the whole motif is whenever she puts her hair up, that means she's got an idea. That's right. Uh, Klaus is a an avid reader, um, and so one of the the main uh, tells of Count Olaf is he uses words confidently but incorrectly, <laughs> and Klaus always like corrects him. Uh, and then Sunny, the infant, uh, her special thing is she can chew through anything. That's right. <laughs> Remember that. But, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's 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 fun. The first season is really good. Second season is really good. It's hard to evaluate the season as a whole. Sure. Because every two episodes, you know, it's a, it's a new but very similar story. Um, feels almost like it's... it's you know, kid James Bond movies. Yeah. Where it's, you know, it's the same fucking movie, but it's a different location, different Bond girl, it's a different Count Olaf disguise. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's some highlights, there's a, there's a series of episodes, the ones with Tony Hale, um, he's living in like a, a like a Manhattan-esque uh, high rise, and his wife is focused on like what's in style. And so it's all just like Count Olaf saying like, well, that's not in style. This is in style. Like, like <laughs> dark is now in style. And so they'll like run around this high rise, turning off all the lights. And nice. someone from the newspaper <laughs> is like hanging around and they're constantly trying to get her to like publish this, like a paper of like what like the new fad is. So like owning orphans is no longer in style. We have to get rid of them. Um, but it's fun. Huh. My favorite set was that. But that's all I watched. I remember, well, Kelly's been rewatching True Blood, so it's been on in the house a lot, and I've been rewatching it. And God damn, that show is stupid. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes. It looks horrible. It's like adult <clears throat> adult Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If the whole point of True Blood was just to like, but what if you got to see Buffy's boobs? And then everyone else's boobs. Go on. <laughs> um, I'm listening. But yeah, it's really dumb. We're in a season... We're just finishing season three, which means we're leaving the storyline about the werewolves and the werepanthers. And... <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say werepants. And the... Know what those would be. And the king of Mississippi, his plot to wed the queen of Louisiana in an attempt to fight off the movement of the of coming out of the coffin and getting people off of true blood and hunting humans like the way the natural order says it should be. And we're about to start the season where there's an ancient voodoo witch who possesses Jesus Lafayette's gay hospital worker boyfriend. Yeah. So Apollo. Like yeah, I mean, naturally. Yeah. A lot of vampires though respect state borders. <laughs> It's That's nice. It's we. I was talking to Kelly about it because the, I hope George's vampire is nice. <laughs> one of the one of the main things about like the vampire hierarchy and just like the biology and the powers of them is the older you are, the stronger you are. So like the king of Mississippi is this guy Russell Edgington who's thirty five hundred years old and so far is the oldest vampire the show introduces you to. So like why he is the king of Mississippi and not the head of the authority, which is like the mega government which controls vampires around the world, is beyond me. Like, this move to wrest control out of the hands of, of the authority should have happened, like, a long time ago because there's not going to be an older vampire. 
when you're already the oldest vampire. Right. Like, that's not how years work. <clears throat> um, but, so it's goofy because, you know, you have people like, you know, main va- vampire Bill Compton, who was turned during the Civil War, and then he turns somebody because he kills a vampire, and that's part of the code. If you kill one, you have to make one. Uh, one of the authorities' rules so they don't ever, like, thin out to zero. Oh, okay. Um, leave, take a penny, leave a penny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so it's like the two of them are like on the side of good and they're fighting vampires who are like hundreds of years older than them and it doesn't make sense if they've set up this rule that the older you are, right. the stronger you are. So they set up a rule and they immediately break it. Huh. And then like vampires are the, the strongest thing like on the planet it's like, well, except for werewolves if they drink vampire blood. No. And then, <laughs> and then like, an old vampire shows up. It's like, they're not that strong. It's like, okay, well, panthers if they drink vampire blood, they're stronger than vampires. It's like, well, actually, no, they're not. It's just, like, they they, they set up these, these plot pins and they knock them down. Just, like, yeah, the almost intentionally. Yeah, the always seemed particularly awful. Yeah. Every time I was. It seemed like a, like, as the world turns dialogue. Yeah. Bad. Just with... Oh, and Sookie's just now finding out that she's part fairy. Is that Anna Paquin? Yeah. Because it's all based in the book series, like the, I think it's called like the the Curious Misadventures of Sookie Stackhouse. It's something like that. And it's, it's, the books are mostly about her, but the show is like just all about Bontemps. It's the the Sunnydale Hellmouth of... Have you ever Kelly or anybody y'all know read the books? No, I think my dad has, but he said that he hated them. But he really has a. I wonder if they're like like a really high bar for not hating things. Like how sexy the books are compared to the show. I wonder if they're like like Twilight kind of was or whatever. No clue. Hmm. But anyway, that's what I've been watching. I haven't really been playing anything new. You know, I'm playing the same old shit. Yeah, I downloaded one computer game, not to steal Brent's lab. I downloaded the new OOTP, Outside the Park, Baseball Manager, and the little guys on the field move in this one, and I got real excited. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Brent, what are you doing? <laughs> um, I've been rewatching episode one of Westworld, because it's on over Chris's yeah, yeah. shoulder. <laughs> I'm glad it's episode one. It's it's muted, It's uh, <laughs> but man, it's I can't look away. It's a very visual show anyway, and I it's that so pretty. I five, and I've not picked it up. I really want to. That's my cue. Turn the TV off. <laughs> when someone says I can't not watch it, <laughs> oh, um, no. But uh, yeah, so I watched uh, a chunk of a series, a movie series, um, a movie series which uh, kind of has, I guess, two sections to it. Uh, there's the four, the first four movies, which all follow one character, and then two more recent ones that well then there's one in the middle that's weird and then there's two more recent ones and that's the Alien series mm. so I, four with I watched the first four Alien movies this week those are the Ripley movies and then four? yeah mm-hmm. and then there's uh, then there's Alien vs. Predator which I didn't watch and then there's the two new there's Prometheus which is part of the series although they yeah. were all cheeky about it when they, that movie came out they're it's like just, well it's it's related to it in some it, it's it, part of the series it is yes. yeah. it is 100% a prequel to yeah. yeah it's all about how why this like this pre-race created the xenomorphs right like yeah or like how the xenomorphs got created yeah yeah like I don't know if it was part human DNA that created them I don't know I never watched Reese's again I didn't like it 
Yeah, so I just watched the four Ripley movies. I had seen Alien before several times. Um, it's still my favorite of the series. It's incredible. Uh, it's a masterpiece in like slow suspense without... Mm-hmm. Um, the, I don't know. I love it when movies just let... They, they just feel real in that like... They put you in the place and they just let the characters behave naturally. And they don't... It's not just like run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Um, love Alien. I'd seen Aliens once before and I really like Aliens. It's a, Those two are a fun original and sequel because they are nothing like each other. Yep, they're so different. The, the one, you, could, you could love one and hate the other. I could see that. Yeah. I, I love them both. Aliens is, as far as I know, it might be the original modern action movie. Like it is... It is there is a template for like, all right, guys, we're going on a mission. Let's gather the team up at the start, and then the the team goes, and nice. and it's it's very much an action movie. Whereas Alien, the first one is more suspense and horror. And, yeah. Um, and What's the uh, there was some list I was looking at recently. It was like I think it was like best settings in movies. And uh, what's the name of the ship? Nostromo. Nostromo's Nostromo in the first one. Yeah, and it was uh, it was like in the top five. It's just like best settings. Yeah. Movies. Yeah, it's a very, you know, they were building a little on what Star Wars did. You can definitely see some Star Wars influence on the in- interiors of the ship. Um, and also, uh, by the same token, like 2001. Right. A decade earlier. But um, Star Trek TV show. Yeah. yeah. The interiors in the Nostromo look great. And uh, um, Aliens then starts getting more into use of, like, more special effects. Mm-hmm. Which is natural because it's James Cameron directing it. Yeah. And, uh, but he does a really great job because it is James Cameron and he is, he's excellent at that. Well, that, they try to continue that with the next two movies, the lots of special effects, and boy, they are not good. Uh, the third Alien movie is Alien 3, or Alien Cubed, or whatever. <laughs> um, and that is, uh, David Fincher's directorial debut. Yeah. And it is awful yeah and that's ripley on the prison planet right yes it's ripley on the prison planet um there are i mean there's like uh i don't know if you know dan hedaya is he's uh he's a guy you would recognize he's an actor you'd recognize he's been in tons of things he's in there for like three minutes um pete postlethwaite's in that movie for like a minute or two it makes no sense why any of them are like in this movie Hmm. he's like character actors because they are given terrible uh dialogue it's a really awful movie the worst thing that it does though is that it completely shits on the end of aliens like i think i gave you the example of jurassic park like if jurassic park's sequel uh the lost world if in the first couple of minutes it just puts you back on the airplane leaving the island and it's just like oh velociraptor snuck on it kills everybody <laughs> <laughs> like that is the it, all the the emotion of like aliens of like them getting off the planet full of xenomorphs yeah which is what aliens is about aliens is about them going back there Ripley going back there to try to wipe out the uh, the xenomorphs um, and then I don't know, you know it's an action movie they get away and they they get away and alien 3 which is uh, it, it should be like decanonized it's that bad. Yeah. Alien 3, like, everybody she gets off the planet at the end dies in the first two minutes of 
Alien Three. Nice. Yep. It also it also could stand like the series could stand without that movie, right? Because it's totally just like a capsule story. Because Alien Resurrection is has nothing to do with Alien Three. It not really, except in it does in one sense, and that is Alien Resurrection is about. That's the, one I haven't seen. I mean, I have to spoil the shitty movie to explain Alien Resurrection. Go go ahead. But <laughs> Ripley has to sacrifice herself at the end of Alien Three because there's a xenomorph growing inside her, and that's like, and so she throws herself into a lava pit, like, uh, like terminator basically yeah and so alien resurrection is about them they recreate ripley from her dna uh and she has like somehow though has memories of the events uh whatever okay science (laughs) um and uh it's slightly better than the third one but still not very good the director of that movie that movie was by the way written by joss whedon Hmm. alien resurrection in 1997, the thing looks... It doesn't have that Joss Whedon like, wit, the, mm. the best thing about him. Yeah. It has the look, though, of like a Firefly episode. Like a two-hour-long Firefly. It looks... It has that... It's hard to describe. You would know, though, if you started watching Resurrection. You'd be like, this does. This looks exactly like a CW or WB production. Maybe a Fox show from the huh. late 90s. Um, it's directed by the guy who did Amelie. Oh, weird. Huh. So weird. <laughs> it's really weird. But it's slightly better. It's got uh, Winona Ryder in it. Um, it's not bad, but boy, that it's just a shame. I love Ripley, that character. Yeah. And it's after those two amazing movies she's in, it's just such a, a shame to see the series go out, like, or to see her character go out the way it did. Yeah, it's funny you talk about, like, Xenomorphs ruining entire plots because that's definitely like a recurring thing in the three Alien movies I've seen <laughs> the two new ones and the Alien vs. Predator it's, I mean, we've all seen that one at least that's how it how it ends they have like the Predator and they going off of the funeral pyre and then like through the window of the Predator spaceship you see the Xenomorph pop out of the dead Predator's chest yeah yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason whenever they like take two villains and put them against each other it's like nobody knows who won yeah that'd be dumb can't kill off anybody um, anyway, uh, definitely recommend the first Alien movie, the first two Alien movies. They're uh, classics. What are you streaming on? I, I want to say HBO. Okay. I think they're on HBO. It might be Stars. It might be. I'm not sure, but I think they're on HBO. Um, For some reason, I thought that <clears throat> AVP and Alien vs Predator were different movies. Uh. That I had seen two movies that were aliens <laughs> versus predators. <laughs> you just saw it twice. That forgettable. But I just, I actually just stopped. They have, I think HBO also is streaming AVP. They are, yeah. And Alien Covenant, but not Prometheus. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So. I think Prometheus is probably the third best alien movie, having not seen, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Covenant. Res- Resurrection. Oh, uh, you liked it better than Covenant? Yeah. Okay. I thought Covenant was a little goofy. And Prometheus, to me, it was at least like a a fun origin story that I didn't want. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was not a fan of Prometheus. I left that movie confused and bored. I, don't, I remember not hating it, but I also don't remember much about it. So it definitely didn't stick with me. We I'd saw like it, to see on, it again. Uh, like Thursday night, like opening night. And Cass and I both 
disliked it heavily and were like shocked when it got pretty good reviews. Yeah, I mean, I just liked it was it was novel uh, to do a prequel story in a way that didn't really involve the subject matter at all of the uh, the franchise. Right, and it was like weirdly well acted because outside of Alien and Sigourney Weaver for the rest of it the Alien franchise is not well acted no right Uh, Newt is awful in Aliens yeah the child actor Bill Paxton is you know infamously bad right Uh, you know I guess I guess I forget his name but the character actor who plays Bishop Bishop's pretty solid throughout the series yeah Lance Henriksen plays Bishop um but and he's also in AVP he's one of the few oh nice they bring him back yeah um but yeah I thought it was really well acted and I think I think that where Covenant screwed up was one of the best things I think about Prometheus was um uh Magneto I can't think of his name right now is it my head Fassbender Fassbender was Michael Fassbender as like the new bishop or I guess the old bishop the, the android companion uh, and then Covenant did that thing where they focused entirely on Fastbender and his like fascination with this uh, Genesis race. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's my short little thesis. I just remember on Prometheus, and y'all won't be able to answer really because it's been forever since you've seen it. And mm-hmm. You haven't seen it, but uh, this old Charlie Stern character—I've never understood why she was in the movie. She was the she was the Paul Reiser. That's yep, Paul Reiser. That's the whole thing. Is they were they were they're taking pieces of the formula and putting it into the prequel. Like same reason why there's a Michael Fassbender, why there's a Bishop type, because they were like, well, we want this to be familiar enough by pulling these things. Yeah, she was the Whalen Utani rep, and I guess an alien movie has to have that's a like, Whalen Utani rep. That's like all I remember from Prometheus is is her pretty much. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know what she did in the story. I never figured it out. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's there. There's there's that one character in every alien movie that I've seen where it's like. Capitalism is bad, right? There's like, there's got to be one big bad corporate entity. There was that whole thing though, where like, is she, isn't she? Right. Which yeah, didn't didn't matter. Didn't make sense. Yeah, I didn't know why I was supposed to worry about that. That all springs from the first movie where it's Ian Holm, the 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 android on the ship, Mm -hmm. where he's the one who gets the special orders from corporate. But there's like the reveal, right? That he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's where it's it's done best is with that character, and then it'll, it's not bad with Paul Reiser, but it's a little more just I don't know transparent at that point. It, it at least gives them purpose for going back, mm-hmm. and like you know, you already know why Sigourney Weaver wants to go back, but why there's a crew and resources to take them back. Yeah. Um, but. Then with Charlie Theron in Prometheus, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because they don't know fucking anything. Right, because it's prequel. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know anything about xenomorphs. They're not trying to weaponize. They're not trying to study. They're just trying to find another habitable planet. So, like, like they already have, like, someone who's resource-hungry, who like, where that's the motivation. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why that has to also be villainous in the intent. Right. But... I did watch a couple more movies. Um, one was from the 40s, so I've been trying to catch up. I'm just going down a list of alphabetical movies that have been nominated for Oscars mm-hmm. and just watching uh, as many as I can find. So I watched Adam's Rib, uh, Hepburn and Tracy. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, it's, it's, it's not bad because it is Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn, and they're always fun to watch together. 
Um, but as a romantic comedy goes, it just kind of fell a little flat for me. Is it one of their lawyers? Yeah, it's the one with their lawyers, and they are opposing each other in court. And it's <laughs> it's cute, but it's just, it's not that, I don't know, it didn't have the magic for me, which disappointed me. I thought I was really going to like it, because I tend to like really, uh, you know, what are considered the better classics, especially in that genre, but just didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, are they litigating the creation of woman? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's his character's name. Oh, yeah. I, I want title Lazy. drops. <laughs> um, I also watched. Uh, this was nominated for uh, best. Work that in <laughs> Give me a rib, Adam. <laughs> Give me a rib, y'all poop. Y'all <laughs> poop. Uh, so I watched a 1991 movie nominated for uh, best. I think costume design. The Adams Family. That's a solid movie. I did not like it. <laughs> I thought there were a few good one-liners, and then the rest of the movie, I was bored. That was right in the middle. Now, I've heard that Adam's Family Values is quite good, but I don't know. I just love Raul Julia. He is the best part in the movie. Like, yeah. he is, he's so, like, you can tell he is bought into that role 100%. Yeah. He is, he is. He's really well casted. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also to be one of those things where even though there's not not that much of an age difference between us, but like the targeted content for our age group, like I remember watching the Adam Family cartoon a ton, yeah, yeah. and so like seeing that movie, I was like, oh cool, this is that cartoon that I really liked. Um, I don't know, and Raul Julia. I mean, I like Raul Julia in Street Fighter. That I do too. Fucking awful. That movie is bad. Yeah, but I like him in it. Um. I don't want to spend too long on Adam's Family. I watched uh, Ready Player One. I did go see Ready Player One. You guys have yet to see it, so I won't. I won't go into details because that is the joy of Ready of going to see Ready Player One is the 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 details that have not been dropped in the trailers. And I will say this: the trailers. I think I already told you guys this that the trailers did a magnificent job of not giving away too much of the meat of the movie. Like you will watch the first five minutes of the movie, and you'll just be like. I feel like I've already seen all the trailer. This the is fantastic. Much the like race. Yeah, that, that, yeah. So yeah. that that is one of the main obviously yeah. things in the movie. That's a big set piece, a big you know thing they put a lot of effort into. But it also comes fairly early. Yeah. Um, and so you know you you're you're fifteen twenty minutes in and you really don't know what's coming, which is nice. Um. I have some issues with it, but I'll wait on those. Um, I did like it. I did like the movie and would recommend it to people. Steven Spielberg just hardly ever makes a bad movie. And so, um, uh, somebody I was reading today, some independent, I can't remember what website, some independent website had it uh, cracking their top 10 Spielberg movies. It was came in at number 10. It bumped out man, something. I can't remember what. That seems nuts to me. Yeah. Couldn't, yeah, I don't think it could come close for me, but yeah, but still, solid movie. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd out of five, so above average. Um, and like I said, I'll I will wait for you guys to see it before I go too much deeper on it. That'll give anybody else out there still that hadn't got a chance to go see it yet also give them a chance to before we can talk spoilers some maybe maybe in a week or so. Cool. Um. I've been watching a TV show, but I'll wait on it till uh, I finish the first season. And then uh, Survivor. 
Survivor. Yeah. Was it reality roundup time? Yeah. Uh, I should know the name of the guy who went home. Bradley. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm so happy. I was so happy I don't have to listen to his voice anymore. Bradley with all his (laughs) whining. Yeah. It's the, it's, I love those votes like this past week when Bradley gets home are great because it's the, it's the one where it's technically a blind side because he had no idea, but at the same time, it's the, it's not a true blind side. It's not like a betrayal or a flip or a switch or something that was done for strategic reasons. It's just, he didn't realize he was the most hated person out there. Yeah. And so those are always fun when, when the person's just like, oh, great blind side guys, great move. Yeah. And I was like. This wasn't a move. They just can't live with you anymore. Right. They also didn't put up the hashtag blindside, so even the producers didn't right. think it was a blindside. Well, he was one of the two. They always have two. Yeah. And he was one of them for us. The, the best blindsides are the ones where I'm blindsided. That's rare. Mm-hmm. But. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that Survivor's been... We haven't really talked much this season on, on the podcast about Survivor. It's It's been okay so far. I'm... I don't know. Pre-merge is always a little a little boring at times. It can be. A couple yeah. years ago, it was amazing with Game Changers. It was like was really super good. fun pre-merge, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this year has been... I've been a little underwhelmed with Ghost Island. Me too. Especially the one episode where they just didn't do it. Yeah. Like two yeah. episodes ago, no one went to Ghost Island. Oh, yeah. It's like, what, what were the... And that like... Sorry. I... I'm really irritated by the Ghost Island concept because, not because as somebody who doesn't know the things, like, I feel like I'm missing something, because I don't. You know, they're all super fans, they explain it, the producers explain it, the note explains it, whatever mm-hmm. the Ghost Island object or advantage is. What I'm irritated by is that sometimes the winner will get to pick someone from a losing team to go to Ghost Island. Sometimes when they break an urn, they will get to oh, play yeah. a game. And then sometimes... They choose to play it, and then sometimes they get an advantage. Yeah. Like, if if your show is going to be called Ghost Island, make it a little bit more certain. Right. Like, force them to play the game. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no other game that's optional on Survivor. Right. Except for, like, somebody sitting out because you have odd numbers. But that's so not optional because then they have to compete in the other game, whether it's reward or elimination. They've already brought back two of the most famous, um, the f- most famous items that I knew they were bringing. One was James's uh, one of the big square yeah. idol that they they misplayed a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and then this week was it this week they had the stick, the effing stick. Yeah, yeah. I love the effing stick. The effing stick is one of the all time funniest moments in Survivor, <laughs> which they showed the they showed the clip of it and. Uh, yeah, it's this one guy just made this, took a stick he found and tried to carve some things on it. And he was like, hey, I found this, I found this, uh, or somebody else buried it. Whoever made it, buried it, gave it and made it so this other guy found it. And he found it and he's like, I think I can save you. I found this. And uh, the girl's like, she's no! like, she's like, what is it? And he goes, it's an immunity idol, I think. And she's like, it's a fucking stick. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's are you kidding me? And then he gave it to her anyway, and she just walked up to Jeff like at tribal council, and she's like, you can tell she's so embarrassed to be handing it. She's like, here? And Jeff's like, this is a stick. This is not anything. It throws in the fire. Or I guess not in the fire, because they, they've kept it. They found it. No, really. They said it's been in the fire since then. 
Oh, that so flame burns eternal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's... I don't know. That, I'm, I'm not sold on Ghost Island yet, but I'm, the cast seems to be interesting. So I, I'm excited about this week's episode because they are merging... And I'm excited to see what role Ghost Island plays during the merge. Me too. Because that, I think, is going to be... Because taking one vote out of a voting block of three in a tribe of six people is like, yeah, I guess that's a big move, but, like, they're back before tribal council anyway. Uh So, like, seeing them take, like, you know, one of 13, or I guess it's 14 people who are going into the merge, like, taking one of those people out would be really cool. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see what rules happen moving forward. I mean, it was we know they're making fire now with the four, but they don't know that on the show. They could. They may not. We don't know if they. Right. Do. They don't necessarily know it. They. They yeah. weren't watching last season. Yeah. They definitely have not seen. Yeah, this all this was all filmed before last season aired. Right. It'll also be fun to see them get a little more cutthroat about who goes to Ghost Island. Yeah. Because now they will have to. Consider that if they go to Rocks, it could be them who goes. Uh, because it's always been the winning team picking someone off the loser's team. So they've always been safe from the decision. So why make waves and single someone out? Right. Create en- enemies. But now they like, I feel like they would want to yeah. pick, pick somebody as opposed to... Um, the whole has to be unanimous thing was just fucking broken from the beginning. Yeah. I can't imagine it's going to have to be unanimous after they merge. It should never have been. It makes no sense. Yeah. No, it'll be the winning person once they start individual challenges. Oh, they individually get to decide? Probably. That would be neat. Yeah. I forget that they do rewards into into the merge where they get like, pick three people to go with you on this boat and eat pineapples and hamburgers and sleep and get massage. Yeah. (laughs) Just like that. Jeff Probst, the eloquent man he is. Pick four people for Pineapple Massage Day. For some reason, I feel like he's been just so on point this season. It's like, it's like calling people out. Like, and Bradley struggles, falls in the water again. <laughs> Bradley was a. Uh, so apparently, Bradley thinks that Dom uh, tossed that challenge. Oh, really? To get Bradley out. There's no... I, I mean, sure, that's a possibility, but there's no way that someone smart enough to play the game and who's seen enough of it is going to jeopardize their chances right. to go to Tribal. Like, I mean, he he wasn't going, though. There's no way he was doing. He yeah. Because Bradley's always been about the keep my my original alliance or whatever. Yeah. Well, he, he, him falling off that thing was really bad, though. Dude. <laughs> And then Michael, like the young kid, does like a, a form perfect dive <laughs> yeah. that comes out of the water like a hundred feet down <laughs> down the beach. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was it was pretty fun to watch that one. Yeah. So did you watch the this this week's episode of the challenge? Yeah, I totally forgot about it. I read it uh, just now. Oh. <laughs> I know what happened. I totally forgot I was watching that show. You know what happened, but then you also are in the same boat as everyone else. No one knows what happens. Okay. Um, They're doing the bullshit that they did. I don't know why I thought they would do it differently, but they did last season, like full season, not like a chance for stars or anything, Uh where they're doing the reveal of the winner across two nights of the reunion show. So they're going to reveal third place on... Oh, it's only... It's only... 
two teams, uh, top four now, but it's individuals can win. It's right. not teams this time. Normally, it's like a gendered uh, pair, mm-hmm. um, but this time it's just one one man or woman will win everything, and then second place wins, you know, chump change, and then third place. It's hot under these lights. No, I just the lights make my hands look jaundiced. So <laughs> let me um, withdraw to the shadows. But yeah, if you haven't seen it, but you've read it, the only like the only like important thing that happened was the mercenaries were bullshit. They like they hype this this thing up where like as they're running the final, uh, like Johnny and Melissa are going to be there and they could put a stop to people's like progress by making them play a game against them. But it was high low. It was a simple game of high low, best two out of three, and only one person lost high low because high low is a pretty easy game to play. Yeah. Um, and the one person who got hit by it didn't go. That's not the sole reason why she went home. She had to bury a stump. And it was like, it took a lot of time, but she was going to get third or fourth anyway. Hmm. Um, and then the other thing is that uh, Nicole Z uh, may have broken her ankle. And uh, so she was eliminated for injury. Um, which sucks, because I like Nicole Z. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's there's two men and two women going forward. So Tony's, Tony's reign of terror is over. Yeah. Yeah. Which sucks because he he just played so well. Kyle is the surprising front runner right now. Yeah, well, Brad's up. That's yeah appropriate. Um, but yeah, so now there's no more challenge to watch except for reunion episodes where they're going to sprinkle out details about who won. Which at this point, I just want to jump on the Facebook group because they always have like live tapings. So there's always people online who are like leaking that information. I almost want to not watch the reunion stuff and just like go online and see who won because I really, really hate the reunion stuff. Yeah, it's like the worst part of the challenge. It is the one worst show. part of the challenge. Yeah, just like we're gonna take out all that fun stuff and you just watch them talk for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you you can watch them talk. We're gonna edit it and we're only gonna show you the parts where people like unintelligibly scream at each other. It's like, I don't fucking want that. So yeah. it's sort of like a like a housewife reunion. That's how they try to edit yeah. it. Oh yeah. And it's like, and like you know, the the cast will be on like podcasts later and be like, "That's not how it is with me and this person." You know, yeah, we had one blow up, but you know, it was a, it was a, a single heated argument, mm-hmm. and it was played up to be this thing. Like, I hate them. She's like, I don't hate them in real life. Like, we're cool. Like, yeah, you know, the big thing for the challenge cast and the way that fans follow is like, if a cast member is still following and being followed back by someone on Twitter and Instagram, then like it's understood that they're cool. Because when they're not cool, they like publicly announce that they're blocking someone, and they will. So it's like any drama that you want, like it all is happening on Twitter. Don't fucking watch the reunion shows; they're stupid. These people have had now they're splitting into two weeks. There's probably been like a good like sixty real world or road rules or the challenge reunions. Like we don't need two more nights of it. Does Lavin host them? No, Mike the Miz Mizanin hosted them. Uh, he is a real-world cast member who turned into a professional wrestler in the WWE. Um, he's the guy who hosted one of the Champs vs. Stars seasons. No, he didn't. He just is doing reunion shows, but he's taking over the Champs vs. Stars stuff. Which, that season starts next week. Yeah, okay. So there's really not any downtime. <laughs> the, the challenge is always on. Now they've started doing the chance for star stuff. Fun. Yeah. 
But that's all I got for, for any reality stuff. I'm not really watching anything else. Mm-mm. Breezy on, on the streets. Breezy. And we got Breezy present. Hi. Breezy. <laughs> it's always fun. Um, you got any Breeze, Breezy? That was it. All right. Well, that was Breezy on the streets. <laughs> I, uh... PAX happened this past weekend. I haven't been paying attention to it. Or I would have something to say about it. Well, um, next week. The Penny Arcade Expo in Boston. But I have not been paying attention to any games news. It's not a big games news place, but stuff does and will come out of there. Yeah. But I didn't do any work. Um, maybe the biggest news for movies that came out this past weekend is uh, the second highest grossing opening weekend for a horror movie ever happened with The Quiet Place. Um, second which, after it? Yeah, by a lot. It's opening weekend was 123 million. Quiet Place is second with just over 55 million. Still though, yeah, yeah. You can't be ex- you can't expect it to. It was compete a with phenomenon. It. Right. I mean, that movie took off. Uh, That's really good though. For a little independent, mm-hmm. John Krasinski wrote and directed. Yeah. Uh, well, he wrote the screenplay. The story was somebody else. And I think that uh, you know, I think we all like Krasinski, especially from his office days. But uh, he hasn't been the most bankable. Hollywood star. He directed a movie called The Hollers. It was like a romantic dramedy uh, about a family. And it was fine. He wrote an Oscar-nominated movie. I forget what he got nominated for. But he was called Promised Land. Matt Damon is about fracking. Hmm. Matt Damon was oh, like I saw a, that. Uh, yep. Yeah, John Krasinski wrote that with Damon. Uh, he's got his hands on a lot of stuff that's good. But I guess I just mean like, like yeah, no. when I say bankable, I mean like actually like bringing in crowds as a right, lead, right. lead actor. And so it's nice to see him open up at number one. Cause I, I mean, I'm sure that big guy's going to be a ton of money. Uh, yeah, sure. But, yeah, he's had been in a lot either, though. Oh, man, he's not mm-hmm. in a ton of movies. Yeah. But we were excited about this movie since we got the trailer a few months ago. It's getting well, it's well received and, yeah, making a ton of money. Yeah, I read, I read a couple of opinions where they say that, like, the whole, like, staying quiet thing isn't, like, it isn't just a like plot device. It's like really cleverly done, and the attention to detail is very smart. Yeah, I've a review. Uh, Sean Baker saw it, one of my favorite directors, and he said that there's stuff he's seen that horror sequences that he's never seen done before, which is neat. yeah. I think there's a lot of value in like Jordan Peele and John Krasinski making horror movies where like they haven't made one before. Yeah, like John Krasinski, I've been uh, watching a lot of press tour stuff with him and Emily Bloom. Uh, he doesn't like horror movies. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He made. He says that he made the movie because, at, at at like at its heart, it is a movie about a family who is willing to do anything to stay together and yeah. to stay safe. He's like that's why he wrote it or why he he made the movie. But like the horror thing is just like secondary, right? But so then it's it's interesting to have that perspective in what is going to be one of the most successful horror movies. It's got the, uh, besides them, it's, it's also, it's got the little girl who was in, uh, Wonderstruck, which I really, I like, yeah, Yeah. I I like turning that movie. So looking forward to seeing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to compare for people who don't know about box office, six cents in opening weekend was uh, half this 26 million. Um, We'll see if, you know, horror movies, I feel like more than any other, like, word of mouth really helps and really can, like, turn a slow opening weekend into a good run. Yeah, I mean, it's proof here the fifth house grossing horror movie of all time is the Blair Witch Project. It's opening weekend. It was less than a million. Yeah. But it was a 
It was in theaters for like six months. Right. Yeah. There was lots of like, don't let anyone tell you about this movie. Just go watch it. They right. had the marketing campaign with Blair Witch was also fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, Sixth Sense is really good too. I remember those trailers, just mm-hmm. the I see dead people trailers, yeah. just right? Nonstop. Yeah. I, I remember like Cabin Fever, not Cabin Fever. Cabin in the Woods was the same thing, where it was like there was so much hype around how good it was, and the whole advertising campaign was. Like, we're not going to tell you anything about this. Don't let anyone else tell you anything about this. Like, you have to see it. And that works sometimes. Yeah. Cool. Quiet Place. I think we're going to try and see it this week. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely am. Um, for sure. Um, did y'all hear the Game of Thrones news where they're filming the next season? That it is uh, 55 days to shoot this battle. Three times larger. Three times more extras than the Battle of the Bastards. Jeez. So it's like pretty much an entire two hour episode is what is expected from this. What I, we don't know anything else about it. Yeah. I mean, you can find out, but yeah, that was the headline. And I was just like, God damn, they're. That's why we have to wait an extra year, I guess. Yeah. Like three months to shoot one episode. Yeah. I wonder what the odds are if George R. R. Martin is just going to like let the HBO series play out to finish and then just go. I'm not writing the other two books. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if those books never come out again. Yeah. Or if, or if he just like, kind of hands it off to some other. Like you know how some authors let other authors finish their series when they're just burned out on it or whatever. Yeah. Or if he's just waiting for the series so he can just write the books. <laughs> series. It's just like, like somebody let, else do it. Let's, let's see it. what you come up I'll with. Put it on paper. Yeah. 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 He already has somebody penned, uh, or not penned. Uh, he already has somebody. On tap to finish the series. Oh, I heard about happen. that. Yeah, it's a uh, Brandon Sanderson. He's a guy I really like. Um, oh, yeah, that series you're talking about, right? Yeah, the uh, he does. Oh, he, his big series is Mistborn, um, and he also does wrote uh, one of my favorite like standalone. Sorry, I know I'm the one who jokes around about oh, we don't talk about books here, <laughs> uh, but uh, Warbreaker. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You talking about? Yeah, but yeah, so you already have somebody picked for that. Okay. So it'd be funny if he was just like, watch the show. Brandon will finish it. <laughs> My dog is an old old man. <laughs> Not actually, but he's open eyes snoring. Hear him moan and groan because he's had oof, a real hard day. <laughs> uh, that's what it is. He's actually going to be on uh, Oh Hello, the next uh, run on Broadway. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Never too much tuna for him. Uh, there's one more thing TV news. That uh, we didn't talk about last podcast, and we could have or should have, but uh, the Roseanne redo had like insane numbers. Uh, Nielsen wise, more people watched it than watched the finale of Roseanne, <laughs> which is crazy. But uh, lots of political stuff's going to keep that show living. I think smart people will like it because it's funny, and dumb people will like it because they think it's for them, and because they like getting angry about fictional shows. Yeah, and I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it's essentially Roseanne voted as a Trump supporter on the show. Uh, Dan is, like, obviously not saying anything whenever these arguments are taking place. And Jackie voted, was a Hillary supporter. Jackie shows up in a pink sock hat with ears on it. Like, she's that left. Yeah. And Roseanne is, like, one of the classic Trump people you'd think would be in, like, southern Illinois. They're just like, I wanted him. He was going to mix things up. It was about jobs. Like, just all that rhetorical <coughs> shit we've been doing for two years. Sorry. So it's real funny because Trump people are like, yeah! And people like me and Cass are like fairly moderate. 
are just like, ha! it's it should have been what it did before. Yeah. It's like super accurate in middle America. Poor people. Yeah, it's 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 making fun of all camps. So both sides are like they're making fun of us, and in a weird way, like there's some uh, uh, Ben Savage video that was going around uh, people's Facebook about how like about it, yeah. it was like Trump supporters like don't get fooled by Roseanne. She's not actually a Trump supporter. And it's, it's like weird that Ben Savage got involved, like through like. <laughs> Boy Meets World? Wait, wait, wait. You're right. Not no, Ben Savage. Uh, ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, who asked Ben Sa- I didn't even know what Ben Savage was up to. He's really risking he like, his... Uh, he saw his window. It's like, now's the time. People are talking about shows from the 90s? Mm. Boy Meets Internet. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no. Uh, ben Shapiro, it is 0% surprising that that guy yeah. takes the spotlight for anything. Yeah. He's human toilet paper. Fucking loves to hear himself talk. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. I really wanted to see it. Um, didn't get around to it. Yeah, there should be three episodes out now. I've always, I saw two on opening night and then one last week. I saw the first two. They're fine. I mean, John Goodman, he's good. The whole cast is back. Yeah. The only person I know that declined was uh, Clooney, which... Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that would be distracting at this point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think Galecki's gonna be on it, and both yuck, both Beckys <clears throat> are, are on the show, which is fun. I, I had a visceral reaction to when Melissa Rauch, uh, who plays Bernadette in Big Bang Theory, showed up in uh, True Blood as uh, yeah. one of the characters, like short term. Girlfriend, his rebound girlfriend after he dates the vampire girl. Yeah. And I saw her on screen and I was like, I just fucking hate Big Bang Theory. Man, I was getting up and going to work the other morning and I was like in the living room eating uh, yogurt. I was just like staring at like TBS. It was left on the TV and it was a syndicated rerun of Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I just watched like three minutes of it. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> so many people love this shit. It's like, it's, it's, it's not the For the jokes to be so dumb about really smart people. I don't understand it. It's a dumb show about smart people. Yeah. Like, you're Arrested not, Development was a smart show about dumb people. You're not supposed yeah. to relate to, like, Leonard or Howard or, like, anyone. You're supposed to relate with Penny, who thinks, like, man, these nerds sure are stupid, right? Like, that's that's who the show creators want you to relate to. They want you to look at smart people and go, God, smart people are stupid, which is... Like fine, which makes sense when you when you know who Chuck Lorre is, and it's just a guy who has like dated and married Playboy models his entire life. So of course that's that's it's, he's a self appointed authority on nerddom and like what it means to be a nerd. And so of course these are all just going to be lazy caricatures of yeah. nerds. And so it's it is it is I think it's a show for people who just I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to talk shit about the audience because I know some people that love that show, but they're wrong. <laughs> it's, it's 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 all stuff you've seen before. I mean, it's it's like seventies sitcom humor. There's a there's yeah. one that was on. Like it gets on those Facebook holes where you just keep scrolling up and watching videos on Facebook, yeah. and it's them playing Pictionary, and the joke lasts like six minutes. I watched the whole thing. And it's just the same joke every twenty seconds. There's a version of that scene without the laugh track. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And granted, any sitcom where they take the laugh track out, like, really does strip yeah. a lot of, from it. But, like, in particular, it's impossible to watch. Nice. <laughs> it's just so, so cringe-inducing. But, anyway, that there's no news about fucking Big Bang Theory. Sorry. sorry <laughs> we should, we should that cut team. that whole section out and release it as its own little tiny mini-podcast. It's just, like, three minutes of vitriol directed at Big Bang Theory and the people who make that happen continuously. Chuck Lorre. Nice. Um, any more Breezy? I think that wraps it up. I know someone was saying there was a new solo trailer. Um, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it either. I saw the Onion article <laughs> where they said, new solo trailer is released so that fans know now what they can be mad about. <laughs> uh, I will say, yeah, I watched it. It's uh, heavy on Lando. They know what they're selling. Nice. Good. They are. They know what the, who the, the secret weapon is in this movie. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Lots of Donald Glover in that trailer, which is fun. Yeah, and as as promised, we're going to start doing homework again. We're going to get 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 back to reality. Well, there goes gravity, and start doing uh, the our, our regular themes. Although it seems like we've got no problems talking for an hour to the three of us about nonsense. Uh, we're gonna. I'm good at nonsense. We're gonna swing back into old format, uh, and <clears throat> not gonna really follow a steady rotation. Uh, we're not really. We weren't enamored with it. We had some days where we thought that the rotation didn't work well. There were some days where we thought it was great and mm-hmm. it helped us pick movies to watch. Um, TJ and I kind of helped torpedo that into the fucking dirt with our 2017 thing. Forced yeah, yeah. people to watch. <laughs> Whatever we were going to yeah. watch next. <laughs> A bunch yeah. of Brent chagrin. It was like, here's a movie from the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't technically qualify as a talkie. That was him. He I did know. Metropolis. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, so Picked home alone. <laughs> so we may not exactly have what we're going to be doing in the next podcast, but we will have the movie for you to watch. So when we discuss it, you'll be ready for it. And Brent is going to be our guinea pig for the new setup. Yeah, I actually kind of I was looking was looking through what just came out on uh, Just Watch and, and whatnot, and um, this one thing caught my eye, and I I wasn't planning on doing uh, this subject, but I think I'm going to do a Talk of Fame nomination. Uh, it's a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but I remember I really liked it when it came out, and I uh, I know it's very popular among people our age, and I don't know, I think it would be interesting to give it a more harsher critical look, and that is, it's also partially because I watched Alien 3, and I was like, ugh, David Fincher, fucking hate you right now, <laughs> so I want to love David Fincher again. We're going to watch Seven, which is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I saw Seven maybe two years ago. Yeah, nice. I'll watch it again. I have watched it because Sandra had never seen it. I was watching it for the first time. Yeah, I don't think Kelly's seen it. Uh, excited to watch it again. Young Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman doing great. Morgan Freeman mm-hmm. and one of the most repeated lines in cinema history, probably in our group, anyway. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that'll that, do it. It's that line where Morgan Freeman says, "Unlimited power." <laughs> This has been Talking Talk, podcast of com. You can see our stuff on Facebook. We have three groups, Games by Us, Movies by Us, TV by Us. You can also send us an email at themediabyus at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to try and uh, abscond some music from Brent or David so we can have our proper intro. 
So we will thank the Willow Walkers in, in advance. Thank you, Willow Walkers, for the intro. Thanks, Willow Walkers. And we're going to send a big hearty thanks to Burifa for the outro. Thanks, Burifa. <clears throat> and follow us on Twitter. We're at the Media Bias. Uh, we don't really do much there, but it's because no one follows us yet. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> follow us, send us a tweet, and we will just have a personalized feed just for you. Yeah. If any of you are listening and you don't know us personally, you want to have a conversation, shit, reach out. Yeah. We'll probably talk to you one on one. Yeah, have nothing else going on with this. Also, if you're listening and you don't know us personally, you're like my favorite person on this planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but give, yeah, that'll do it. Give uh, us a review also on iTunes. I don't know if you said that. Yeah, so. rate us one through five stars. Um, preferably five, but mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to send you any envelopes full of cash. Nope. <clears throat> thanks, TJ. Thanks, Brent. And thanks, Roscoe, for behaving. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.